The message tonight is, what about faith? You know, Spurgeon said the following about faith. A little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Abraham is a classic example of faith in the scriptures. For by faith, Abraham offered up his sons knowing that God was able to raise him from the dead, Genesis 22 tells us. His faith in the promises of God are accounted to him for righteousness. And therefore, he's called the father of faith. In Romans 4.11, he says, And he received the signs of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. Because remember, Abraham's a Gentile. And then call him to be a Hebrew, okay? And to follow Yahweh. Being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imparted to them also. In fact, he is called a friend of God by James. James 2.23 says, And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Of God. There are many um, unscriptural teachings regarding the doctrine of faith, which cause and continues to cause much confusion in the church and giving the world a lot of ammo also to make mockery of the believer as well as the Christian Bible. There are those who take faith completely out of context, isolated from his um, counsel of the whole counsel of God, and they just teach it subjectively to motivate and manipulate people to do what they believe the Bible says we should be doing. There are those of the health and wealth movement, I've been around for a long, long time, teaching um, that all are to be healed and that all are to be wealthy. This is God's will for you and your divine right as a child of God. And the evidence of your faith is the fact that you stand on it positively and you don't say anything negatively because the power of life and death is in the tongue or the mouth. They quote Proverbs out of context, of course. And so anybody can teach and teach anything out of context. In context, it, it, it doesn't fly. And of course, if you're not healed, then it's your fault because it's your lack of faith. If I'm praying for you and you believe in that positive stuff, then of course, if you don't get healed, then it can't be me. It's got to be you, right? Or maybe you have sin in your life. That also, he says. And um, it's a very self-righteous doctrine. These same teachers and preachers make um, nifty little slogans to entice people. And enrich themselves with money, uh, such as um, your seed faith. And by that, they imply that you, by faith, you plant seed to give money to them that you don't have because God's going to give you ten for every one you give. Interesting. And the only ones getting rich is them, not the people. Hucksters. Nothing new. Search the scriptures. Same old, same old. Nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. 
Paul warns about people like that. First Timothy 6, 5, it says, um, the Timothy warns him about men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself, Timothy. And so, you can take faith and twist it any way you want, out of context. So what we want to do is answer the question, what about faith, by looking at the doctrine of faith from a threefold perspective. First, we want to the, the, see the description of faith. Secondly, the distinctive kinds of faith. And thirdly, the distinction of the persons for faith. The description of faith comes first. Faith is described for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1. You're familiar with it. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Many think this is a definition of faith, but it really is not. One put it this way. They do not define faith in itself. They describe it in its power. They are the sort of statements we make when we say knowledge is power. That is not a definition of knowledge by any means. It is a description of it in one of its great effects. Excellent commentary. Another said, these words are not a definition or a completed account of faith. They are not a definition or a complete account of faith. They tell what faith is. But they do not tell us all that it is, and they do not separate it from all that it is not. Once again, good commentaries through observation of the context. The basic meaning of the word faith, the word pistos, pistis, different forms, P-I-S-T-I-S, in the scriptural sense is belief and trust, a firm persuasion. Or firm conviction. Once again, Hebrews 11.1 1 that we just read. Strong's um, concordance states faith as conviction of the truth of anything. Belief in the New Testament of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and join with it relating to God, relating to Christ, the religious beliefs of Christianity with the predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith. Fidelity, faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. The word substance there in Hebrews 11.1 1 actually describes the word faith. The word substance literally means being set under with the idea of substructure or foundation. The confidence and assurance that the thing hoped for is valid and grounds for their being realized. The faith is so firm that no further evidence, literally no further persuasion is needed for the expectation 
in the future. Because faith is based on God's revelation and God cannot lie. That's very important. That's a pretty sure foundation. The commentary on faith is declared as the only sphere a Christian can please God. Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. Apart from faith, no man can please God. Hebrews 11.6. No one. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. There are various forms of the word as you go through the New Testament. The verb form translated believe or believed is found 248 times in the New Testament. The noun form translated faith is found 244 times in the New Testament. And the adjective translated faithful is found 66 times in the New Testament. As you can see, it's a word in various forms that is really in great number because that's the basis of our relationship to God. It's based on faith. Faith is synonymous with his word. But it's trust and believing and relying and having great expect and hope. Once again, the source is important. Faith involves the entire or whole person. Faith is more than intellectual assent to biblical truth. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. James puts it this way, James 2.19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Demons believe, but they're not saved. They're not believing in hope of God. That's just an intellectual ascent. But at least they have the good sense to tremble. <laughs> Faith involves man's intellect, his emotions, and his will. To the Romans, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, cardia, that God has raised him from the dead, speaking of Jesus, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. Paul immediately qualifies the place of belief or faith. Notice, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation in the next verse of Romans 10. Faith in the heart refers to the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul, the mind, the thoughts. Passions, desires, appetites, affection, purposes, and endeavors of man. The assent, if you will, of the mind and the consent of the will. In regards to the intellect, 
It is belief in certain revealed truths concerning God, Christ, or anything about spiritual truth. So when you read the Word of God, you embrace it as totally reliable, believable, and you trust it. In regards to the emotions, there is a sense of awakening of the soul to its personal needs and appropriation of the atoning work of Christ with peace and assurance of the gospel truth, but not based on feelings or emotionalism. There is an emotion, but it's not emotionalism. I am moved, I'm steered when I read that God loved me and he died for me. That he justifies me. That he wants the best for me. In regards to the will, it is the acceptance of these truths as a directing principle of life. That God's revelation and my faith and trust and reliance on them will only bring about good in my life. Only good. To guide me through everything. Faith in the heart means acknowledging the gospel facts as truth and the willingness to dedicate oneself to live out those truths. John in his gospel says, and listen carefully, they could not believe, speaking of the Pharisees, due to the fact of the hardness of their hearts. And he's quoting Isaiah. You find that in John 12, 29. They could not believe. They heard the word over and over and over again. They heard Jesus teach over and over and over again. And they kept rejecting, opposing, and everything else. And then they came to the place where they could not believe. There's a line there we don't know where. Where people hear, hear, hear. And whether they ignore, whether they neglect, whether they mock, or whatever it may be, I don't know. But if they continue, they will get to a place where they cannot believe. Kind of Pharaoh? He hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart. And God says, you know what? I'm going to respect your ideas, your decisions, Pharaoh. And I'm going to strengthen you in your rebellion. And all of a sudden now, he could not believe. That decision is made by the individual. God only respects that decision at a point in time. Faith is um, no blind act of the soul. It is not a leap into the darkness. It's really a step into the light. <laughs> Believing with the head without believing with the heart is foreign to the Bible. There's no such thing. No such thing. A man may believe with the head without believing with his heart, but he cannot believe in his heart without believing in his head also. If you believe in your heart, it's going to affect your thinking process. It's going to affect your life. 
Faith is reasonable, yet contrary to human reason. Therefore, never unreasonable scripturally. We have sufficient, reliable evidence, proof, and the character of God that what he has revealed and what he commands and what he demands and what he says he can do in us, through us, and for us, it's true. It's reliable. Paul put it this way to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. It's not just up here. But in the power of God that has captivated your heart, and now it transforms your life from the inside out. Things are happening. You're not remaining the same. You have a new worldview, a new standard, a new ability, a new hope, a new joy, a new direction in life because of the word of God that's hidden your heart. You know, a man had gone hiking along alone and um, it was in the darkness and he slipped down a cliff and was hanging onto a small tree on the side of the cliff. And he was calling out for help for hours. Then a voice said, let go. He responded, is that you, Lord? Again, he heard, let go. <laughs> and the third time, the man yelled out, is there anyone else up there? Because of the darkness in the night, he was unaware that he was only a few feet from the ground level. When you're walking in the light, you're not in darkness. You're not afraid when God directs and guides your life and says, trust me, let go. He gives you that direction, that guidance. And regardless of, well, how impossible it may seem, regardless of what the circumstance may be, he has spoken to you. You have the peace that passes all understanding. Everybody else is running around like a chicken with their head cut off, but not you. You're, you're kicking back. Because you know God has spoken to you. Hmm. This is the description of faith in the Bible. Next comes the distinctive kinds of faith. There is saving faith. Paul told the Ephesians by grace, for by grace you have been saved, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2.8.9 The gift is salvation in that context. You need to be careful. Make sure you understand this because Calvinists will twist it. Okay? The gift that is being talked about there is salvation. 
which God has bestowed on man by no merit of his own. The Greek scholars, and I'll, I'll lean on them so you understand what this text says in the original language. The Greek scholars tell us that the following is, is, is true of the text. The word that is in the neuter singular pronoun. To us, it's no big deal. And I'm using scholars like Linsky, A.T. Robertson, Weiss, scholars that everybody uses and are respected. Therefore, they say, it does not refer to the word grace or faith. For both of those are feminine. The neuter singular pronoun refers to the divine act of saving the sinner. So the Greek grammar and the way it's structured tells you the gift is not faith. The gift of God is salvation. Okay? Very important. If you don't understand that, the Calvinists will say, okay, well, the gift, God gave you that faith, it's a gift. No, 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 the salvation is a gift in that text. Not the faith. All right? And quote A.T. Robertson and other Greek scholars. Okay? They can look it up. The salvation is not, nor can it be credited to man. The commentary, and not of yourself. What? Salvation, not faith. Salvation. The word thereof is the word ek. It means out from a person being saved. In other words, the act of salvation is not of human origin. It's of God. Okay? The means of salvation is twofold. By grace, charis, unmerited favor of God, the source of salvation. In fact, the article appears before grace. Literally, in the Greek text, it says, by the grace, a very specific one. The one that deals with salvation. Because you're coming from darkness to light. You're coming from death to life, right? All right? From a child of the devil to a child of God. The article's there. The. Then he says, through faith. By believing persuasively in the heart, the truth of the gospel about the sinful position of a man or a woman. And the capacity of Christ to save through his death and his resurrection. By the illuminating work and conviction of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a subjective medium or the instrument for the process of salvation. The gift of God. Salvation. The means, grace, and faith. John puts it this way in John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Confident persuasion in the heart that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. God initiates, always, man responds. 
He always initiates, we respond. Very simple principle. The faith is produced by the hearing of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit produces the faith at the openness of the heart by the sinner to believe. The sinner also has the ability to reject. If you have the ability to believe, you have to have the freedom and ability to reject. It can't be just one-sided, okay? For it to be a legitimate choice of your own decision, who you will be held accountable for, you must be able to embrace or reject. It's real simple. And that's why it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Yet the sinner cannot boast about the gift of salvation, because it's a gift of God and a work of God, right? Responding is not a work. Responding is what it is. It's a response to God's initiation, right? Simple. It's not a work. The Calvinists will tell you you're working for yourself. Oh, no, no. It's a complete lie. Secondly, there's what's called general faith. After salvation. The believer once born again begins to live as a pilgrim and sojourner. 1 Peter 2, 11 says. The believer begins to study the word of God in order to grow, develop, and mature in Christ as they begin to grow in their faith. Learning all about their wealth in Christ and by faith, appropriating it. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. Learning all about their ability to walk in Christ by faith, to walk in the power of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. All the way, chapter 5 and chapter 6 to verse 9. So the first three, you have the inception of the word. Here the walking of the word. So you have the wealth in the first three. Here you have the walk. And then learning all about the spiritual enemy, Satan. And in faith doing good warfare with the armor of God and the weapons provided for victory. In Ephesians six ten through eighteen, the armor you put on. So you have in Ephesians an incredible, incredible little epistle: the wealth, the walk, and the warfare of the believer. It's an incredible epistle. If you've never gone through it in depth, go on the internet, buy it, go through it. Great epistle. So. Just like hearing the gospel produce faith to believe for salvation, the gift of God, so the reading, studying, and meditating on the word produces faith in the believer's life by prayer, that the peace of God which surpass all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, as Philippians 4, 5, and 6 says. So the initial saving faith and then general faith that is to be growing and developing, maturing in our Christian life. Once again, 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17, right? Then there's um, the gift of faith during salvation. Paul, as he taught the Corinthians about the gifts of the Spirit, said the following in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, to another, faith. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. By the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So the gift of faith is a supernatural power of belief to an individual to receive what the Holy Spirit has revealed. That God would say, you have the gift of tongues, you have the gift of governments, you have the gift of giving, you have the, all the gifts that are there in, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, um, uh, 13 and 14, and in Romans 12, they're there. And 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10 says you have at least one gift, okay? So you need to go to the Lord and to pray and ask him, Lord, what is my gift? And he gives you that faith, the gift of faith to believe your gift to serve in the body of Jesus Christ. Harold Horton in his book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, defines it this way. Listen carefully. Active faith that passively expects a miracle or whatever is revealed. So where God speaks to you and says, I'm going to do this for you. Or you're sick and God says, I'm going to heal you. Or your marriage just looks like impossible and God tells you, you hang in there. I'm going to take care of it. And he speaks to you very personal and he enables you and he imparts you the faith, the gift of faith to believe him and to be in peace and to trust him. Others look at it and say, you're crazy. God's spoken to me, right? Now, time will tell whether God spoke to you or not. But nevertheless, I'm making the illustration of what this gift of uh, faith is for the gifts. Now, the book of Hebrews, as we have seen, describes faith um, itself for us. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews is not describing the gift of faith, but faith itself. Yet the gift of faith is after the same nature and character. It's something that God imparts personally to you after you're born again for a certain uh, uh, gift of the Spirit or for a certain thing He's going to do or wants to do in your life, right? And He imparts to you that faith. We could define the gift of faith as the guarantee of things revealed despite of the evidence of things not seen as of yet. Okay? Noah. God says, I'm going to destroy the world by water. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. What's well, rain, Lord? It had never rained. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Because God revealed it. Not because you, you just say, well, I'm just going to believe that. No. 
if, if you can't find the word of God, then it's not faith, it's foolishness. Okay? Now, having said all this, you know that there are people, some people that will tell you, well, you know, God told me to tell you, or, or they'll say, you know, God told me he's going to heal me, and God doesn't heal. Okay? So you've got a lot of people that, that abuse the scriptures and, um, you know, badly represent God. And, and sometimes we believe God really did speak to us, but he didn't. Okay? But if we're mature and we're growing, we just, okay, Lord, good enough. But people who are not mature, people who manipulate the scripture, they're going to abuse that position to make you think that they're more spiritual than they really are. To impress you, to manipulate you. Happens all the time in extreme Pentecostal circles. All the time. That's why you have stuff like Christian television. Like the circuses in town. Now there's some good people out there. But not all of them. Now, this is not presumptuousness. Your own will or mind power that we're talking about. The gift of faith is God's enabling me to believe what he reveals. The manifestation may not always be immediate. But because it is the gift of faith operating, the individual waits for God to bring it to pass confidently, knowing that God has spoken to him or her. The gift of faith is passive, distinct from the gift of healings and the gift of miracles, which are active faith and active works. Okay? The gift of faith, you're not doing anything. God just tells you, and you're just to rest. When God says, and you're in a wheelchair, and he says, I'm going to heal you, then he says, get up. You got It's active. You got to get up, right? Still a gift of faith, but two different directions, right? Even though they may work at times in combination and multi-combinations because they do the gifts of the Spirit. As we've gone through the series and you've gone with us, we, we went through that. Now, the important thing to understand is that the gift of faith being operated through an individual or a particular time does not mean or guarantee that that person will operate it every time for God not only disperses the gifts severally as he wills, but he also manifests them severally as he wills. So in other words, God may use you through a word of knowledge to tell somebody something, but it doesn't mean you're always going to have a word of knowledge. Okay? So God is the one that controls the gifts of the Spirit. We cannot turn them on and turn them off on our own. The only gift of the Spirit that you can turn on and off at will is speaking in tongues. Paul says, I can pray with my understanding. I can pray with the Spirit. It's the only gift. And it's the only gift that edifies you unless it's interpreted. And then being understood, it edifies, exhorts, or comforts. Okay? But all the gifts of the Spirit are operated severally, by God. When he wills, as he wills, to whom he will, 
and for who he wills. The gift of faith is distinct from saving faith and, and general faith. Okay? The gift of salvation is through the means of grace and faith to believe God to be saved, as we've seen in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. General faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. The gift of faith God imparts as he reveals the Old Testament and New Testament evidence of the gift of faith is interesting. Um, you remember in 1 Kings 17, verse 8 through 14, Elijah believed God to sustain him by the widow who had a handful of meal and a little oil in a cruise, remember? <laughs> he, he got there, God told him to go there as um, the king is after uh, Ahab and Isabel were after him. And uh, he goes there and she said, well, me and my son, you know, we just have this little bit and we're just going to make a fire, eat it, and then we're going to just die. He said, hey, go make me something first and then you'll have some for yourself. And you know the whole story behind it. Give the faith, right? The evidence wasn't there. God said he was going to do it. God said, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you there in 1 Kings 79. <laughs> Word of knowledge to Elijah. The woman with the issue of blood, you remember, for 12 years in Luke 8, 47 through 48 is another example. Um, it says, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came Trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Mark says, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes. I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Mark 5, 28 and 29. God did his sovereignty. She believed. God imparted that faith. We have had people in the body with cancer or other things. And we prayed for them and God has healed them. Others have not. We've had some who say, you know, God told me he's going to heal me. And God did. And others have told us God's going to heal me. He told me. And he didn't. We're, we're, we can be fallible, right? But that doesn't mean that God is not working when he does work, right? You always have the human element to deal with. All the gifts are operated at different measures of faith imparted by God. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12.3. 
Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy in proportion to our faith. So God gives that person the faith needed for whatever God reveals to that person. And that person is responsible to God whether he's to be passive for God says he's going to do it or whether he is to be in an active form of faith. It depends on what he says. Elijah the prophet believed God for his salvation in faith as an Israelite. He grew in faith during the life, um, during his life, and also was given the gift of faith to believe God for the miracles revealed. So, saving faith, general faith, and then he also God imparted him the gift of faith. Right? Three different kinds of faith. One day, a black church met to pray for rain to release the long dry spell that had come upon the town. The preacher looked severely at the flock and he said, Brothers and sisters, you all know why we is here. Now that what I want to know is, where's your umbrella? If it's active faith, then we have to act on it, right? Embrace it. And so we need to understand the distinctions between faith, saving faith, general faith, or the gift of faith, whatever God is revealing. Very important. So there are distinctive kinds of faith the Bible teaches. Thirdly, the distinction of the persons for faith are also marked in the scriptures. The source of faith is divine. The source of faith begins with the Father. Um, Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. This is in John 4, 23, there in Samaria. The fact man is commanded to believe and that the Father is seeking such to worship him implies the imparting of the ability to do so and do so by faith. God is the initiator. God imparts. We respond. Paul put it this way to the Colossians in Colossians 1, 12 through 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He, the Father, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. The Father plans salvation through faith in the Son. He initiates through the word. We respond. Salvation is the gift, as we said earlier. Now the channel of faith is the Son. The source is the Father, the channel is the Son. The author of the Hebrew says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, 
2. There is no one else we can look to or trust. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father by me, John 14, 6. No other name given under heaven or where we must be saved, Acts 4, 12. One meter between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, 5. Jesus is it. Faith cannot be exercised or appealed to or claimed apart from Jesus Christ. Impossible. You can be religious. You can be philosophical. But you cannot claim the faith of the Bible apart from the person and the name of Jesus Christ. Impossible. The disciples said to Jesus after he told them to forgive seven times 70. They said, increase our faith. Luke 17, 5. <laughs> He's the one living through us in the crucified life. As Paul says in Galatians 2, 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives through me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is illustrated perfectly by Matthew in his gospel, Matthew 14, 30 and 31. He says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Lord, bid me to come if it's you. Come. <laughs> Gave him the faith. He doubted. The agent then is the Holy Spirit. The Father, the source, the Son, the channel. The Holy Spirit is the agent. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 12 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the same Spirit is the Delting out and imparting out the different gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit, not different spirits, one spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the one to come alongside to help the believer to do the work. Paul puts it this way again <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians twelve nine: To another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healings. And by the way, it's plural healings. So there are different gifts for different diseases, not just the gift of healing. He leans, it's plural, by the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit is distributing severally as he wills, knowing the mind of God. The Spirit is the only one who knows the mind of God because he's God himself in the interaction of the Trinity. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is agape, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
the Holy Spirit is trying to bring about the life of God in and through us. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. The first one, agape. Everything after agape, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on, are all manifestations of agape love. One fruit, agape love, not eight. So the source of faith partners with human beings then. We have seen that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans ten seventeen, The person gives attention and consent to the content he is hearing. The work of the spirit illuminates and convicts by the truth of the gospel. The individual agrees with the message of God that he is a sinner and repents or he rejects one of the two. Luke puts it this way, this way in Acts 4.4. 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. These stand in sharp contrast to the priests and Sadducees who chose not to consent to the gospel. These 5,000 consented and embraced the message for salvation, being active, not passive. So the saving faith is active faith. God initiates you respond. You don't get saved by just not believing, not acting on it. It's not passive. It's active faith. Paul, speaking to the Galatians, said, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Galatians 3, 2, and 3. Wow, what a rebuke. They actively responded to the hearing of the gospel. They actively yielded to the illuminating and regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. They did that. Paul saw the evidence. Now they were turning away. That also is active. You don't just passively turn away. You have to actively turn away. Are we agreed here? Okay? The miracle is going from darkness to light, ladies and gentlemen. For you to go and I to go from, darken, from, from light back to darkness, that's normal. That's easy. That's not a miracle. It's just me. All right? The very invitation to embrace the gospel is based on man's decision to choose. John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Peter says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2.21. Paul says, For the scripture says, 
whoever believes in him will, be, will not be put to shame. Romans 10, 11. Paul again says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Now the whosoever or whatever or whatever time, what does it mean? It means whoever. That means no one is, is limited. No one is neglected. No one is rejected by God. The rejection comes from the individual rejecting the gospel. No one rejects the gospel because God predestined them to reject. They choose to reject and therefore they end up being not one of the predestined. But God didn't predestine them. He only knows that they will reject him. Right? That brings us troubles, but not to God. Not at all. Therefore, if anyone or any person is lost, it is not the fault of God the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, but the individual. In the Gospel of John, it says, once again, they could not believe due to the hardness of their hearts. Again, quoting Isaiah, John twelve thirty nine, They could not believe. Once again, not because God predestined them not to believe, but because they chose to reject God and not believe. Luke puts it this way in Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, listen carefully, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of the everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. What's Paul saying? God didn't predestine you to reject. You reject it. It's not God's fault. It's your fault. Wow. You're a Calvinist. What are you going to do with all that? Don't make the text say nonsense. The most obvious sense is the common sense. You don't need Greek. You just need to read good observations. You had a good translation before you. Peter puts it this way. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but long suffering towards him, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. Is God lying when people perish that he wants them to perish? No. They perish of their own deal. They reject. The source of faith is distinguished also by um, as being responsible for the faith be it active or passive. Let me give you some examples. The four friends that um, the paralyzed man who were brought down, they made the, took out the roof and they let him down. In Mark 2, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four friends. So the faith of the four friends were the source of the healing of that man. In that particular text, Jesus makes a commentary. And the Syrophoenician woman cried out to Jesus for her demon-possessed daughter. And as she persisted for mercy, and she got into that issue of the little puppies. <laughs> Jesus says, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be uh, to you as you desire and, your, and her daughter was healed from that very hour, Matthew fifteen twenty eight. Jesus credited the woman for the faith. His words. The disciples asked Jesus about the man blind that was born blind. Remember from birth? 
And they asked him if he, if, if he had sinned or his parents had sinned. Listen to the words of Jesus. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. John 9, 3. When he had said these things, then he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the oil, the eyes of the man, with the clay. And in verse 7, he said, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sand. And he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus healed him sovereignly without faith of anyone. But he still had to act on it, didn't he? But he did it sovereignly. Faith is always involved in the life of the believer. Each of us have to live by faith and develop it daily. Not by feelings, Second Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is trusting God to do what he says, what he will do according to his promises, his provisions in scripture, and not according to our will, but his will, First John five fourteen. Now this is the counsel we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Where do you find his will? In his word. His word. Paul says faith is coming without doubting. I'm, I'm sorry, James says that in James 1, 6-8. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man respond or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Faith is believing God for the um, impossible when all the conditions of a disciple are met. Listen to Jesus in John 14, 13 through 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Wow. The name is not some formula or magical saying that God acts upon it by just saying in Jesus' name, he has to do it. His name means as if Jesus were asking Glorifying the Father. When I ask them in prayer, is it going to glorify Jesus or me? Lord, give me that new car, you know, I'll just, I'll pick up people, take them to church. Really? Hmm. The condition that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay? The offer, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Car blanche? Mm -mm. Prayers to get the will of God done, not our own. Prayer is to be according to God's word, which reveals his will. He is talking to disciples who are to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow him. This is the context of anything in my name. If you're a disciple, you're going to be asking for the things that are going to glorify the Father and the Son. Not you. Wow. We'll put it this way. Doubt sees the obstacles, faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes, faith answers, I. Wow. There is a distinction of the persons for faith, very clear in Scripture. So, what is faith? We've seen this with a threefold description here and perspective. 
the description of faith, the distinctive kinds of faith, the distinctions of the persons for faith. This is what the Bible teaches about faith. Lord, thank you for your grace, your love and goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray you continue to minister to our hearts, Lord, and that we continue to grow in faith, trusting you, Lord. And just pray for everyone who's here, Lord. You would just deal with our hearts, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins by faith. He wants to save you. He wants to cleanse you from all sin. He wants to make you a child of God. Do you believe that he's the son of God who became man? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he tasted death for you? Do you believe that he can make you whiter than snow? If you believe that, you can call on his name and be saved right now. Whether you're in the balcony here or over the radio or the internet. If so, this is your prayer to the Lord and he's going to save you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.